Hello, you're listening to the Grocery Girls podcast. The Grocery Girls is a non-profit organisation focused on inspiring and empowering women in the grocery industry at all stages of their careers. We want to help women realise their full potential, channelling their talent and ambition to seize the opportunities they deserve and carve out a career that works for them. I'm Jo Whitfield, the founder of Grocery Girls and also CEO of Co-op Food. I'm the first female CEO of a major grocery retailer, but it's absolutely my mission to ensure that there's many more of us coming through in the years to come. There are so many amazing, talented and driven women in our industry, and we want to bring you all together to share experiences and to ensure that every one of us reaches our goals. I'm Hester Lonergan, and I'll be your podcast host. Every episode, I'll be interviewing someone working in the grocery industry, from intern to CEO and retailer to supplier. I'll be asking them to share their daily routines, lessons learned and hopes for the future. We'll also be exploring how we adapt and flex to make our professional and personal lives work together, all the while embracing the fast-paced, ever-changing environment of this industry. and welcome to episode 8 of the Grocery Girls podcast. A whole two months since we kicked things off and we've had such a blast. Thank you for continuing to listen and we hope you've enjoyed the ride. Um, A bit of news from us, next week actually will be the last episode of this series of our podcast. We've loved talking to a variety of people from across the grocery industry about their lockdown experiences but we're really excited to come to you later on in the year with something totally different. Stay tuned, though, as there'll be some surprise treats coming to your ears very soon. Um, And make sure that you listen to today's news you can use with Verity at the end of the episode, as she's got another update that you won't want to miss. On today's episode, I was lucky enough to bag some time with the very busy and successful Kat Gazzoli. She's the founder of Piccolo, the fastest growing baby food brand in the UK. She's been rushed off her feet during the past few months not only pivoting her business strategy and launching recyclable pouches for her products, but also giving birth to her new baby during lockdown. Testament to how much she's got on, I caught up with her over the phone, so the sound quality isn't as high as usual, and you'll likely hear her six-year-old in the background. Enjoy! Okay. Amazing! So, hi Kat, morning! Hello, good morning. How are you? Good, good, good to be here. Grocery yes. Girls today. Lovely to have you on the show. Um, so we've been um, catching, catching up for a little bit just before we started recording this. And did you just say that you've made a deal with your, with your small child? Yes, yes. She gets an Italian cornetto, you know, it's like our croissants in Italy. If she's quiet. Okay. Amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> always about bargaining, always about negotiating, even with your own children in this kind of period. Sure. How old is she? She's six. Uh, yeah, so at least I can negotiate with her. Is the baby I can't negotiate with. You know, that's why I've chosen the six year old over the baby <laughs> to, to talk to you today because i knew i could i could handle her better um she'll be more quiet (laughs) um i 
guess the best thing for us to do to start with is just to get you to introduce yourself to our listeners. So can you tell us a bit about who you are um, and what you do, please? Sure. Uh, I'm Kat from Piccolo. Um, it's a baby food toddler, also mo recently moved into supporting infants um, brand, which it was, yeah, I started directly from my NGO days. Back uh, four years ago, we started trading in 2016. Um, so yeah, went from Charity World to starting uh, a baby food brand, which is now really growing uh, across different ages past even baby. Amazing. Um, and so that's quite a kind of, uh, that, that's a jump in a very different direction from what you were doing before. What prompted you was it spotting a gap in the market or what prompted you to take that leap well I was working as head of slow food which is a really interesting organization that's global uh, that's all about good clean and fair food and essentially that organization you know takes care of issues around like provenance uh, letting letting the public know about like food education, how important that is, where your nutrients come from, food security, the correct prices for farmers for their for their ingredients. I did that for six years, so it was actually even though it was an NGO, it was a quite a good lead in to kind of setting up an ethical brand the way Piccolo is that does a lot of charitable work. So even though it's a different um, sector it's in terms of grocery working with the big grocers it is food and it's all the same ethics um, I subscribe to when heading up uh, a food NGO. Great thanks for sharing um, so I would love to hear about um, what this period's been like for you so as we know um, you've got two fairly small children um, and you are the founder and CEO of a growing business. What has the coronavirus kind of period been like for you for work and life? Um, well, I had a baby just at the lockdown, so that was pretty intense. I saw one of our retailers about, must have been maybe a few days before the actual lockdown. So I was pretty active. <laughs> leading into the lockdown on, you know, in terms of the piccolo scenario and the pregnancy was a really easy pregnancy, even though I am, I'm 42. So like, it's more of a high risk type of scenario. Um, but I had no issues and baby came early. So I was, it was a really, it was like a work. I was working to the last minute. Um, and the lockdown experience was you know, obviously different to go into a hospital when there is a pandemic, but the NHS was incredible. So it, it's been a really positive experience from like a personal giving birth, which there's been a lot in the media about, you know, the stress that can happen to moms who are giving birth in this period. I personally felt really well supported and you know, had incredible service from the NHS. Um, and then on the work front, I have a really strong team, very proud of them, um, who, you know, I was, I was working alongside of right before birth and have been doing an excellent job during this crisis. You know, if anything, it's given us a lot of new opportunities. We 
we launched um, in, in direct-to-consumer only because some of our retail customers who exclusively have our new formula, infant formula, they were not able to t uh, help new customers. Um, so for example, we work really closely with Ocado and they couldn't accept new customers during the, the initial growth still, you know, it's, it's taken them, you know, it's a lot to respond to online demand. So we, in order to help customers who were emailing us directly, some pretty intense, upsetting emails that they just couldn't find formula, our formula, um, we, we launched a direct-to-consumer in three days, but that was more out of a social, I felt like a social urgency, like a social issue. You don't want, you don't want parents, you know, trying to find formula, getting frustrated, not being able to find it um, during a pandemic. So it's, it's been obviously a huge learning. It, it wasn't, you know, our objective to launch direct-to-consumer ever at this time of year but it was because customers were, you know, getting quite aggravated. Uh, so we did that. So that's been a learning for the team. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine how uh, frightening and stressful it must be if you're a parent, especially with the category that your products um, are in. If you're a parent, yeah. and you are relying on um, certain brands and certain products for keeping your children fed and healthy and then suddenly there's a shortage or this inaccessibility of the sources of that of that stuff it must be so yeah so scary so amazing yeah well infant formula you you cannot I mean either you you make it from your own breast and that's fantastic if that's you know available to you and you're having no problems breastfeeding but obviously you cannot make your own formula, you know, at home, the way you can make, let's say a banana apple uh, puree. So it's mm -hmm. really a complete essential product for uh, a baby's survival, essentially. So it's, like, it's quite an emotional experience as a founder of a company to be, to, to get, um, receive emails to, you know, to your customer feedback info box or your Instagram account saying, you know, I've been to, you know, I've been trying to get on a website for this many hours or, you know, I've driven to this ex local retailer and they had no formula and I really would like your formula. So that's why we, that's why we, we changed things. You know, we, we made that move uh, quite quickly, even though, you know, we're not digital e-commerce experts. It's, it's not, you know, we launched Piccolo in a, in Waitrose four years ago and then we have been fortunate enough to launch into other retailers like co-op and and have a great experience there so our our forte is more in you know working with grocery in terms of making our products available to customers so obviously <laughs> coronavirus you know it made me i just didn't want customers struggling at a really emotional challenging time to become a new parent uh, and you know we had only we've only launched formula basically at the pandemic. So it was quite a bizarre situation that all these things came together. Is it just the formula that you've put on kind of an e-commerce platform or are you selling all your products online in that way? We also, we also put on, we've made it available for bulk. So we have like bundles that are like 70 pounds because what happened during the pandemic is, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you've, you've read about it. It was different with each retailer. Um, 
our products were rationed. So you could only buy like three pouches at a time. So we were getting customers who were wanted to stock up and weren't able to, or they would get to the shelf and there wouldn't be like, you know, any of their baby's favorite blend and they wanted to stock up. So we've made a bulk, like bulk purchasing. And what's happened is customers are buying like, you know, 50 pouches at a time, or they're buying like three, a couple tins of formula. I mean, now things are slightly, are much better. Um, but in the first, you know, in the, in the first six weeks, like it was, you could really see people were just wanting to stock up their cupboard, uh, especially because uh, baby food, uh, our baby food is ambient and it has like a shelf life of one year. So it's the kind of product you can really stock up in your pantry. Yeah. And I guess if, you know, uh, during the period when we were all being told that we should only be going to the shops once a week, so we should only be going yeah. to buy to buy food and buy supplies once a week. Actually, then if you're shopping for a child or more than one child and you're only able to buy two of the product that they have every single day, then what do you do? I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. That must be, yeah, that, that's um, something that didn't really yeah. enter into people's minds, I think, during that period, that, that those kinds of challenges might be facing people. And then also just from a childcare perspective, like the guidance, I mean, I believe is what I remember. Like you don't want to be really shopping with your kids with you. It was supposed, you know, it's one adult from the household was doing the shopping. So just from a risk perspective. So therefore, you know, there's also the organization of just like getting out of the house. If you're a single mother or a single father, like you're leave, you have to leave the kids with some, like, do you see what I'm saying? From even like a logistical perspective, it, it made sense that people on our kind of product, you know, did just want to, you know, have, have it in the cupboard. So, so we made the D to C option at that time. And still now like about bulk purchasing, uh, you know, quite frankly, like it's, I wanted to also support our retailers and, you know, I don't want to, this D to C is, was again, like a social need of customers who were extremely frustrated asking us as a brand for help, like literally asking us what other stores they could go to, to find X, Y, and Z, you know, product, be it their favorite flavor of pouch or be it like our stock cubes or be it formula. Formula obviously is the most kind of emotional purchase. It's not even an emotional purchase. It's it's like it is a total necessity if you're if you're formula feeding. Um, so I felt a huge a huge obligation there. And then obviously from a coincidental you know experience, I mean timing wise, I also had a newborn at exactly the same time that these parents were emailing me. Um, so that was really <laughs> kind of you know if you think about it, just such a such a coincidence because I really understood how what it would mean if like I couldn't feed my own infant because I, you know, if I, if I couldn't get formula. Um, so it was really quite an exceptional uh, past couple, two months. And uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we've, we've learned from it and we can and help our parents. I feel a lot closer even to some of our customers. Wow. What, what a, um, I, I don't know, potentially not unique, but what a, an extraordinary experience, I think, during this period. Were you planning on taking, so obviously, when, when exactly did you give birth? When was your child born? On March 22nd. It was March. just the lockdown. Wow. Um, congratulations, by the way. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. 
but were you planning on taking any time off any maternity time has that kind of gone out of the window what's it been like for you in that sense um i always like to work so uh i wasn't you know definitely with my child not being able to go to school the the, the older one i had I, you know, I was starting to figure out what to do there, like with grandparents, when we'd be able to see them, uh, like from, a, from, obviously things have really changed. Like, you know, we're not having in-person meetings right now, but I, I had felt, yeah, a little bit, but I, I don't really turn off as a person. It's, it's, you know, that's my choice, not because anyone's pushing me to, but I really like to be hands-on with with the business but we do have a very strong leadership team we do have a very strong leadership team and uh i you know super close with them so it's not that i have to be working it's that i like to work yeah yeah great and what what as an experience what has it been like obviously you've had a child and um had a newborn um outside of lockdown with your first child what's the experience yeah. been like I guess compared to that actually looking after a very 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 new baby during it's easier these... the second time no yeah? it's so like yeah it's easy and uh uh you know you know you're not the only thing is like it's not as fun because you like you know we you can't really go outside or if you go outside for a walk in the first couple of the weeks of the lockdown it's pretty like you're thinking, you know, you, I put like a rain cover over the buggy because you're worried about germs and airborne, you know, everything that's been in the news has been also around how contagious it is. So you're certainly not going out in any type of relaxed way, the way I did with my first child who spent quite a lot of time in Tel Aviv actually, which is a really <laughs> great place to go out with babies and very baby friendly culture um where people sit outside and 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 have aperitifs and babies are everywhere even in the nighttime which is not like that in covent garden in london um so i would definitely say it's not as fun um and you're more worried you're constantly worried about contagion frankly speaking and my area of london like westminster has been heavily affected uh so very high high numbers in central london so that side wasn't so good but on the other on the other hand it's certainly a family bonding experience to be running an sme and have an infant and a jealous six-year-old at times is certainly challenging but you know i'm sure we've come out stronger because of it amazing um and you touched a little bit there on um the fact that you live in central london i actually i met you for lunch in i think it was january was it now or maybe february yes um yes and february, um yeah. i came to your offices which were lovely and you told me that you live just around the corner and i was actually i was amazed by how centrally you live um so what's the experience been like living like actually in london so not not kind of on the outskirts of london actually in the city what's it been like um well sadly our area is really where where a lot of homeless came in who did not want to be, take the free you know how the government organized quite a lot of housing mm -hmm. so what happened is it was quite intense from like for, for me as a like because i i wanted to take my six-year-old out for for 
for for exercise every day to St. James. And it was really difficult to get there in terms of just, it was flooded with, you know, my heart really went out, out to them. Homeless people who, who didn't take up the housing because I did ask the police officers around and they were being fed every evening by a van, like in Trafalgar Square. So, you know, we really saw that every day and that is extremely like impactful um because i refuse if i didn't take my six-year-old out for the one hour a day of exercise it was really bonkers I, so i had no choice just to get from 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 my house to to st james you just walk through trafalgar and it was just so you really felt how much the whole society was 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 you know suffering yeah yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's been a common thread um, through this period that getting exercise is so important, but sometimes it's hard to get out and do it. But it sounds like you've been making that a real priority and kind of against the odds, making sure that you do get out and you do prioritise your health. That's great to hear. Well, I think mentally, like, yeah, because we're, we're um, it would have been too, too much. It's just um, Westminster got it, the, the, I, the policeman just told me this isn't even normal. This, like, they just said it was just everyone concentrating into Trafalgar Square, Charing Cross, like whole area, the Strand where Piccolo is. Um, so, you know, that we, we've been giving a lot to food banks, working really closely with one of our charitable partners, City Trust, a city harvest, and also uh, Little Village, which is where we have, uh, we support a baby it's basically baby essentials for marginalized and uh, families that are struggling for for kind of necessities for baby so be it a cot or or a onesie so it, I think going out every day it's not that I could ever forget what we do on the charity side but like also to see to see it every day uh, and also our you know our our team uh, volunteer with our charities that we financially support so so we, we can't forget it from a business perspective, but I think it was quite, it was quite intense in our, in our neighborhood. Um, so I, I hope long-term wise is going to be some really big changes on helping the homeless and, and families in need from, you know, not just from the, the, these incredible NGOs like City Harvest or the Felix Project or Fair Share, but at a, at a, at a government kind of level, because I think coronavirus has showed the discrepancy, you know, between just the huge divides we have, uh, and uh, we have in society, in terms of socioeconomic, where we are on different scales and socioeconomically, and the virus obviously was much more of a challenge for people who are lacking homes and 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 or or doing low income jobs. So I, I really felt that during this during this period. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, on top of that this whole situation has refocused a lot of people's uh, priorities I think so I think as a community or as as a country or you know as as people we have put community and supporting other people back in front and center um, and I think what what we've seen certainly from all retailers with their communications, with the messages they've been sharing to the public, is that it's been about helping other people and it's been about kind of the collective and it's been about kindness. Um, but of course, of course, yes, like it's been exciting to see, I think also the environmental 
side of, of Corona is that we've seen, you know, we can hear birds more, we're seeing more wildlife, um, we, you know, cleaner air. So uh, Piccolo is, is launching this year the first recyclable pouch, you know, which, which not all councils will be able to recycle, but a fair bit as a kind of game-changing recycling sustainability step forward. And I, for me, like the coronavirus is even more um, pushed or like promoted in my mind, my own decision to do that because it was, it's difficult with, with packaging. You know, sometimes the, the gut, for example, the UK is way behind countries like Germany where, where this kind of pouch is already recyclable, you know, aqua, across most councils in Germany. Whereas in the UK, it's a small percentage can recycle this pouch, but we decided, you know, there is a recyclable pouch available. Just, you know, we're just gonna have to push the, the, the government in a nice way to make, to push that all councils can recycle at curbside. Um, and for me, coronavirus gives us even more the awakening that we, we need to be taking care of our planet and our, and our community, our neighbors, and the 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 and all all life on the planet essentially it's not just about us humans it's about like the wider environment for us to take care of because the environment did much better without all of our pollution in these past you know eight weeks we've we can see a huge impact um uh, according to all the studies on just even just the air and pollution it's been incredible so i'd like to see you know more companies continue to push the green agenda as much as there's going to be a lot of companies struggling in other ways because of the impact of corona financially and on sales and everything that can happen when there's a huge upheaval like this in a pandemic so i hope the kind of sustainability side doesn't get lost because it was making a lot of gains uh, mm. in the past 12 months really at the top of the agenda and it's definitely um as you say, so your your recyclable pouches sound amazing, and congratulations on um, finding a way to kind of create create that product and and find a way for that to be largely recyclable. Um, I think as a business, I don't know what what your thoughts are, but as a business, asking like investing in something like that and asking your customers to invest in something like that by buying your products actually sometimes that can be difficult if you don't have the buy-in from the customer base but i hope as well that this period has um almost uh made people more conscious about what they're buying and cause people to pause and reflect and understand that sometimes you know spending a little bit more or sometimes thinking and caring about what actually it takes to produce or recycle um, the product that you're buying is really important. A hundred percent. I think, I mean, I think we're seeing, it is going to be, it's going to be a really tough scenario if I can be honest, because on the one hand, I think a lot, there's much more awareness um, around, and there has been gaining more awareness around sustainability and green initiatives. And it's really important, you know, to put our, well, basically put our pound, you know, where our ethics are. However, I think we can see what's happening economically and financially in the UK, as well as in many other countries where, for example, Piccolo 
trades internationally and you know south africa a lot of places where we have the piccolo brand are being heavily impacted by by the virus it's it's sparing no country as we know therefore we're also thinking about you know passing any costs onto the customer is not easy right now so even though it, of course it costs more uh, a pouch that's you know recyclable even if in the uk it's recyclable by not all councils of course it costs more for us as a business to invest in that packaging instead of the regular pouch that is non-recyclable um however you know and that's where the dilemma is you know do can you pass any cost down because it's more expensive of course for a business to have better um, sustainable packaging or do you try to um, not pass that cost on especially when you want to do the right thing and at the same time there's also you know a major recession that uh, that is you know we can already see what's happening in the country and you want to help customers who who have been impacted by by the pandemic so it, it you know as a founder it's a lot to think about um we had already committed to this packaging you know pre-pandemic and we didn't you know change course on that and we won't change course but it is about changing behavior because as i said you know and it's really you know not 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 good that in one country <laughs> most councils take this type of packaging and then in, in you know in, in our country it, it doesn't um and so we think the right thing to do is is to get is to like nudge kind of a nudge theory where once people know this kind of packaging does exist and some councils do recycle it curbside just as you would like your you know your any of your other recycling products that you can recycle from your fridge or whatever your grocery shop you know, we want we want that pouches are just as easy everywhere in the UK. So I'm I'm going to continue with that agenda, but it's definitely Corona has added a whole other element to can you know to doing something like this. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, best of luck with that stuff, and um, we'd love to kind of follow your progress. And if there's anything that we can do or our network can do to support um, that initiative, then let me know because it sounds like a really worthwhile pursuit. Thank um, you. We'll, 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 we'll let you guys know how it goes for sure. It's, it's all new to us and we, I kind of like taking risks or else, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't be as fun being in, in FMCG grocery if, if we weren't taking some risks. Um, so the team, the team really love this project and it's 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 a, it's it's really at the top of top of the agenda and we, and we like doing things differently i'm sure we won't get it perfectly right but um we have quite we're quite lucky in that piccolo one of our investors is is well known in sustainability and and just leading on the green agenda named jonathan porritt who who set up um forum for the future and was head of um friends of the earth so he he's he's kind of behind everything we do so I, I certainly don't feel like I have to be an expert in everything because he really knows what's going on on plastic packaging government I, I so feel so lucky as a founder to have such an interesting circle of investors and 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 he's one that you know that's what he does in Piccolo so it's certainly not coming from me um, at all <laughs> it's it's from our circle Amazing. Um, Kat, you were talking about kind of the sustainability and the recycling um, stuff and how one of your investors um, 
was very very kind of involved in that world and how actually a lot of that came from him rather than you and you're really grateful to have a group of investors who really know their stuff and kind of contribute in different ways and I think um, yeah I, I don't well, I mean, know whether... I, just to could just to be clearer on that I, I I don't mean like that we it comes from me that we want to be the best company we can be on the sustainability side, but because I'm not an expert in sustainability and packaging and everything that's going on at the government level, um, we are taking guidance from him because he sits on a lot of these kind of committees and government initiatives to do with sustainability um, because that's his expertise from yeah. an NGO perspective uh, and he's not he's not a commercial uh, person but it, uh, on the other hand um, worked a lot with uh, Marks and Spencers on their sustainability strategy and Unilever so has that experience of grocery and retail but is a you know more of a non-profit kind of guy who just cares about making a difference so of course like I can't have also those skill sets um, that he has <laughs> yeah. with his over 20 years doing that. Um, so, you know, the main thing is we want to do the best we can, but we don't always know the best way. So that's what we, we do lean, lean on our investor circle. And in this case, Jonathan has been my mentor since I was also at Slow Food. So it's, you know, you're talking about a over 10 year long relationship, you know, so I really trust him as a, as a person and his ethics. Yeah, and I think you hit on something really key and really insightful there, um, and I hope you agree, but success never comes from one person alone. Actually, like in your case, you, you are the driving force behind your business, but it's about bringing together lots of different people who contribute and support in different ways in order to drive your success and drive that progress. We don't exist in a vacuum. We can't do something just on our own. And I think there's real strength in recognizing that to succeed, actually, it's about building connections and drawing on those connections in the right way at the right time. A hundred percent. You know, you can't have all the skills you need in a business or in anything in life, quite frankly, as a mother, you know, as an entrepreneur, it takes a community. And I think the whole saying about, you know, it takes a village to, to take care of a child, like it's the same thing also within a business. There's no way you can just be strong and, 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 have, and have the skill sets that, or just the skill sets or even the passion around everything you need in FMCG kind of uh, brand build. You know, when you're building a brand, you you need others who've done it before or who are an expert in, in something that you want to do for the company. Um, so I very much, like you said, look at it as kind of a community circle, a te teamwork. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. And I think what, what better a message during this period as well, emphasizing teamwork, that it's about the community and all pulling together. Um, when when has that been more relevant than now? Um, yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, right, this has been so, so interesting, Kat. Whenever I speak to you, I get so much out of the conversation. Um, and I could 
continue. It seems to happen with all of my guests. I could keep talking to them for hours and hours. But um, for the benefit of our audience, we are going to draw things to a close. Um, but before we um, end this conversation, I will take us to our quick fire round, if that's okay. So I've got two questions, and I would of like course. to give you as I would like you to give me as snappy an answer as you can for both of them. So, right, let's go then. Question one. Okay. Question one: Is there anything you've realised that you can't do without now that the world has changed? Mm -hmm. I, you know, we were using online, you know, we were using Zoom, we were, there's no tool that we've brought on that we weren't already using before. So we mm -hmm. did, you know, support on like work from home. And in terms of from the business perspective, I guess what we're seeing is that it works even better than we could have imagined. We're really used to like, we we're used to seeing each other. It's, it's a very, um, the office is very informal. You know, it's, it's, as you saw, it's like three floors, staircase, kind of Mary Poppins house to a certain extent, even though it's in central London. And, you know, I always felt that was essential. I still think it's essential for people to eat around the table and like the lunch, the team has lunch together every day but we have been surprised like still how well it's worked. I think the thing that I, I can see is for younger, like for younger team members and you know, people who would be new to the company, that physicalness is still really important. So there isn't something that actually we, we, we started doing that we haven't done before. We just moved a lot of things that we do together as a team online. Um, and I've been surprised I've been pleasantly surprised how well it's worked, but I think there's a time limit to that. Uh, especially today, we onboarded a new staff member, and I said to him, "Like how, you know, how much I wish you could re meet the rest of the people in the company because obviously bringing on new staff in this scenario is totally surreal." Um, but I did everything. He wrote a poem about himself. He he sent a picture of his daughter. Like we tried to do it in a different way. Um, but they're all things, you know, we would have done, but in person. So there isn't like a specific tool we started using or changes we made. We just had to make it all virtual. Great. That's a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then for you, no, I'm sorry if you're looking for like a software tip, but it, it's, you know, essentially we were always using teams and zoom and things like that. It's all good, don't worry. Okay, second question, and this is more of a personal one, I think. So for you, what is the first thing you're going to do when the world returns to normality? In air quotes, I emphasize, normality is in air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, right now I do have quite a lot of good friends who don't have kids and who are much more footloose than me. And normally, I do really make it uh, an effort to spend time with them. And, and I do like I, you know, I will go away for a few days with my single friend. Um, and I haven't lost all my relationships uh, of friends I've had for 20 years, you know, who, for whatever the reason is decided not to have a family. And I mention all that because what what the first things, you know, the thing I would do is just be able able to travel easily, either to see that set of close friends 
you know, who also are used to like meeting me somewhere to spend quality time together. Or also I normally do quite a lot of traveling with our international head of sales, which we're not doing. So I like getting on planes. I, I'm, I'm used to seeing, you know, my close friends who are in other countries and that is something I've really missed. Like feeling like, you know, obviously I can't just easily uh, bop around to see either close friends or, you know, customers. So I'm, itch I'm itching to, to do all of that again in like a, in an easy way. I don't think it's going to be easy anymore. There's just because this, this virus is not going to end. It's, we, we have to be more cautious. Um, so every trip we take, be it personal or professional, I think it's a much longer process to decide if it's safe, if it's the right time, you know, I don't want to end up being separated from my children, all that kind of stuff. It's just a totally different ball game now traveling. So I hope that it'll somewhat go back to the way we used to be, but I think it unfortunately never will. Okay. Brilliant. Thanks, Kat. And <laughs> Great. Um, and then finally, Kat, um, we would love a recommendation from you. So I think you have a book that you'd like to recommend to our audience. Absolutely. So I am currently reading The Home Sweatch. It's called The Home Stretch. Um, and the subtitle is Why It's Time to Come Clean About Who Does the Dishes. And it's by Sally Howard. And it's a new book. Uh, I think right now only the hard copy is available. Um, it is really interesting. So it's like the whole historical, very much all based in Britain, the history in Britain on women working in the home, the value behind that, um, how, how we started fighting for recognition in the 60s and 70s around like the labor that goes into domestic work. And then it's really interesting to read this now because there's been a lot about obviously home home work domestic work laundry dishwashing all that kind of stuff has been in the press because there's a lot more of it when you're in a lockdown and you know and who's been doing more who's been doing that have the women picked that up naturally even though in a sense naturally but not naturally just because that's that's uh what society's view they should be doing even though they have full-time careers and kids and I th it's fascinating to read this during a pandemic because I personally can see, of course, there's a lot more um, washing up when, you know, you cannot leave the house and all meals are prepared at home. Um, so reading the history behind women fighting for recognition of just the amount of hours we do in at home, be it if you have kids or not, there's just more workload during a pandemic on that front is really, really fascinating. And it also talks about like the gender, the pay gap, you know, what happens with, with, um, to women in their careers when they have children and need part-time flexibility. It's a really fascinating read and it's, and it's a, a newish uh, book, really been well received. So I, I, highly, <laughs> I highly recommend it. It definitely can cause a few arguments at home because you get really some great stats from it. Um, but I think, it, I think it's, it's, it's a really good read for any, any listeners who are thinking about those kind of issues on juggling domestic and professional and like how to make sure that workload is fair on the domestic front. Sounds absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for the recommendation. And I know that um, 
Certainly, if, if you don't inspire any of our audience to read that book, you've definitely inspired me to read it. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Kat. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you, as always. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, yeah, best of luck with stuff, and hopefully I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Amelia and Hester. Speak soon. Thanks so much to Kat for that. Um, that was such an illuminating interview and I don't know about you, but it gave me some really interesting perspectives on what my priorities should be as we emerge back into whatever the new normal looks like. Yeah, um, great stuff. Before we round off this episode, as usual, we're going to Verity with her news you can use and this week she's got a very exciting announcement for us. So take it away. Hi everyone, it's Verity and my news you can use this week comes from a really sunny Manchester. The sun is shining through the window at the moment while I'm working and I can't wait to get out and go for a run later on today. So my news you can use this week is actually some plans um, that me and Hester have been cooking up in the background and we plan to bring to you some virtual events um, in the autumn and winter months um, coming up. So we'd love to hear your ideas about potentially what we could do. We are learning about new technology and platforms that we can put onto them and we're trying to come up with the best themes um, that we think you guys would want to be involved in. And some of those themes are around professional sessions, some panel sessions, um, and definitely some time to network um, and come together as a community. So we're really excited. Um, we hope you are too. And we'll be sharing these plans with you um, over the coming months, um, likely to be August, um, I think. And uh, hope you're really excited because uh, we are, and we can't wait to hold our first Grocery Girls virtual event. Okay, guys, have a great day. Um, enjoy the sunshine and I will speak to you all soon. You've been listening to the Grocery Girls podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with colleagues and friends or let us know on Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram with the handle Grocery Girls UK. You can join our network, subscribe to our newsletter, get more resources and find out about upcoming activity on our website, grocerygirlsuk.com. See you soon.